You are listening to the Impact Church Podcast. To learn more about Impact Church, visit us online at impactharlem.org. You can also check us out on social media. Amen. Who's excited about Christmas? Man, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Um, Not many people. Okay, so... um, Let's try one more time. Who's excited about Christmas? All right. All right. So um, just some quick admin stuff for you really, really briefly. Christmas at Impact this year is going to be on December 23rd, which is Friday night. Uh, we're going to have service at 6.30 p.m. right here. It's just going to be an intimate time of worship with our family as, as we celebrate uh, the rescue mission of Jesus, man. And I'm excited about that. December 25th, which is a Sunday, which is Christmas, we're going to have Christmas at home. So we're going to have an online-only service, and we're going to bring that into every home that we can bring that into. And it's going to be something special that you can can participate in with your family in your own home, in your pajamas or whatever you wear on Christmas Day. Um, And then we have a vision night coming up January 1st, which is also a Sunday. So I just want to throw those things out there, get you thinking about those things. We started a new series last week entitled Wonder. And I gave you a definition of wonder, and I want to read that to you again. It's a feeling of amazement and admiration caused by something beautiful, remarkable, or unfamiliar. And this definition really fit well last week because we talked about the wonders of God's love, and God's love is remarkable, and God's love is is something that is so unfamiliar to us because He loves in a way that we can't even fathom, right? And we got to see that last week, but this week we're going to talk about the wonder of God's timing. And when we think about God's timing and we think about what we think to be wonderful, a lot of times those don't go together. If we're going to be honest with ourselves, there's a lot of people in this room that you're waiting on God to do something in your life. You walked into this place today waiting for God to do something. And you're, you're, you're just, maybe you're broken hearted this morning. You walked in broken hearted because you're just so exhausted. You're so tired. You, you're just, you're so distraught. There's a lot of emotions going on and you're like, man, if God would just come through and you're waiting on God. And then you have this, this dude up here that's going to say, hey, so God's timing is wonderful. And you're like, yeah, so I don't feel that, man. I don't feel like God's timing is so wonderful. So what do you mean by the wonder of God's timing? I'm glad you asked that. That's a great question. And we're going to talk about that today. But last week, if you were here, we looked at how God's love has no end. Right? It, it goes forever and ever and ever. And how we as humans, it's hard for us to fathom eternity. It's hard for us to fathom something with no end. And we, we looked at how we really live life for the finish line. So we have different seasons of life and we know there's going to be a finish line. And what we often do as humans is we live for that finish line. We, we live for that end goal. But what I've realized in Christmas, there's no better season that shows this is that not only do we live for the finish line, but we also wait for the finish line, right? How many of you have some kind of countdown at your house counting down to Christmas Day? 
Let's just be real. Okay, I do too. Um, mine's some kind of board with the, some magnetic stuff, and you, you move it to whatever day you want to move it to. And um, There used to just be like a 12-day countdown. Now you can get as many as you want. Like you can start counting down in July, and it's like, hey, so we got this many days till Christmas. Like I don't get it. But what we do, especially kids, and you know this to be true if you're a parent, is that the kids, each day that they get closer to the finish line is a day that they're filled with more hope, with more anticipation, because they know that on that final day, something special is going to happen. And we know that God doesn't work like that for us. That He doesn't give us some countdown so that we can just keep marking off days and we finally get to some day and it's like, okay, so now here's everything that you wanted. God doesn't work that way for us. And it's really hard for us to fathom. And I want to look at Scripture because what we see in Scripture is that God's people were waiting on a Savior for years and years and years and years and more years and more years. The first mention of a Messiah coming was in Genesis chapter 3. And I don't know if you know Scripture. I don't know which. We've been blessed here, right? We have a bunch of different backgrounds, a bunch of different faith people, bunch of people some people that are like, yeah, so I'm not real big on faith. I'm just here because I like to hang out with people. Whatever your reason is that you're here, man, I'm glad that you're here. But most of us know that Genesis is the first book in the Bible, right? And then there's a lot of years that go by before Jesus ever shows up. So the Messiah is mentioned in Genesis chapter 3 as a promise to God's people. So what happens is, and this may be the most important thing I say all day, is the, the gospel is, is played out in a way, right? So we have in Genesis 1, God creates some, some people. And then they jack it all up. And then in Genesis chapter 3, God says, hey, because your sin separated you from me, I'm going to send a Messiah to save people from their sin. And they're like, man, that's cool. So when are you going to do that? And then Isaiah comes along and, and as Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14 says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And they're like, man, this is awesome. This is a great promise. But when? When are you sending this Messiah? When are you sending this, this Savior of the world? And then two chapters later, which uh, we're going to discuss more next week, but Isaiah 9 verse 6 says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And they're like, man, this is awesome. But when is he coming? When is he coming? And then 600 years after Isaiah said this, 600 years later, Jesus shows up. And you can, you can fact check me, math check me, whatever you want, but that would be about 219,000 days that you have to mark off of your countdown calendar. That's a lot of days. And they're waiting on this Messiah. And they're like, God, you promised us this, but when? 
And I don't know if you've ever found yourself in a season of saying, God, I know that you've promised me this, but when? I know that this is what you want for my life, but when? And a lot of us, we come into this Christmas season with, with a lot of hope, a lot of anticipation, a lot of happiness, a lot of joy, and a lot of struggle, and a lot of busyness, and a lot of sorrow, and a lot of waiting. And I can imagine that we're just saying, God, man, that's awesome, but when? But when? And what we have to realize, and I think that we know this, is that God's timing isn't the same as our timing. As much as we want it to be, I think we're all old enough in this room to know that God's timing just isn't the same as our timing. But I still think that there's wonder in the timing of God. And this is why I want to give you two quick points about this. Number one is this, is that it's a process. That when God promises something in Scripture, and this has been true in my life, that more often than not, there's a process. So He promises something, and it's usually not fulfilled right away. And you say, well, why would God even make the promise if He's not going to go ahead and fulfill it right then? I'd rather Him just withhold the promise until He's ready to fulfill it. Because as humans, we're the, man, especially in America, we're Amazon Prime culture. Right? That if we order it, we want it in two hours, and it may be the next day, and that's still too long for us. Because that's just how we are. If we want to find something out, we go to Google and we find out whatever we want to find out. And we can get multiple opinions about whatever we want to get opinions about. This is what we're really good at. This is a side note. But we're really good at just choosing which opinion that aligns with ours. And we don't want to grow in anything else. I'm just throwing that out there to you. Here's, here's some people in Scripture. Abraham was promised a kid at 75 years old. Old dude. And then 24, 25 years later, they, they have a kid. So he waited. There was a process. The process was 25 years for him. Moses, God said, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you, I'm going to give you the opportunity to lead my people to the promised land. What Moses didn't know is that it would take 40 years to get there. It's a process. King David was anointed to be king around eight years old. And then years and years and years and years went by and he wasn't the king. Actually, 13 of the years, David was running for his life waiting to be king. There was a process. So God, what He does, and this has been true in my life, is that it's often in the waiting that He shapes me the most. See, it's not when the promise is fulfilled that I'm, I get closer to God. No, usually for me, and I'm going to be super transparent, when the, when the promise is fulfilled and the blessing is given, I just move on to the next prayer and to the next blessing and to the next promise so what God does is in the waiting he lets us realize that we're desperate for him and in our desperation for him we begin to be molded and shaped to be more like Jesus 
There's a purpose in the waiting. And the process, man, it could be so special if we realize that God is working in the waiting. And while we're oftentimes praying for a what, God is like, nah, man, you got that wrong. You don't need a what. You need a who, and the who is me. And God lets us see in the waiting that we need Him. All of the transformative times of my life have been in the waiting. I can't think of any promise that was fulfilled from God that transformed my life any more than I've been transformed in waiting for Him to move. Because what it does, what waiting does, is it causes us to get to a place where we realize we can't make it without Him. And then we're desperate. We're desperate for the Savior of the world, for our Father to do something that only He can do. We're desperate to get more of Him because we know that we need more of Him. The process is important. Number two is this, it's personal. And again, there's there's two ways I think this goes. One is, I think that I need something, but really I need someone, right? I need Jesus. And, And we see this, we see this in the book of Galatians. And we read this, we read these verses last week, but Galatians chapter four. And what, what God does here, and this, or Paul does, the Spirit through Paul says this, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son. Now, I want you to think about this for just a second. The fullness of time had come, right? That's when He sent Jesus. So the, the God's people are waiting on a Messiah. And what this would, what this would tell me is that everything leading up to this point of Jesus coming was leading up to time being fulfilled. And it took years and years and years and years and years for the time to be fulfilled. And then it says, yeah, but then God sent forth His Son. So when, when it's time, there's nothing for us to do. God did the work, right? God sent His Son. So here's, here's what I want us to take from this really quickly is that when we're waiting, a lot of times we get ahead of God because we want what we want when we want it. And Scripture teaches that, hey, if we could just be patient in the waiting, which we're going to talk about in just a minute, but if we could be patient in the waiting, and we can allow God to work in us during the waiting, then the next step isn't ours, the next step is His. It says God sent forth His Son. We don't have to take this step of the promise. He's already promised it. He's going to fulfill it. Our job is to trust that He is who He says He is and to allow Him to work in the process. So it's personal because, first of all, we don't need something. We need someone. But also, it's this. We celebrate Christmas because God sent Jesus to earth on a rescue mission for all of humanity. And I don't know what that does to you 
But when I say that God sent Jesus to earth on a rescue mission, what I mean is, and what we celebrate at Christmas, is that Jesus, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, was born and walked this earth as a human being. Which means that He knows the things that we feel. He knows the, the problems that we go through. He knows the struggle that we have. He knows the pain. He knows the sadness. He knows the happiness. He knows what it's like to have a, a mother-son relationship, which is not always easy. He knows because He was here and walked as a human. It's personal. But what that also means is this, and I want you to, I want you to hear this is that He cares about you. That you were so important to Him that He sent Jesus to this earth to be amongst you. To be amongst people. To be human. To live that perfect life. And I, got, I don't want to say that this was a privilege or an opportunity or anything, but I, I was with the students Wednesday night um, some people would say that's an opportunity and a privilege. For me, I was just here and got to hang out with them. But man, they they got to talk about God's timing on Wednesday night, and they 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 go through a lot of stuff as teenagers that we can't even imagine because we didn't have the same access that they have. We didn't have the same culture that they had. There's, there's things that teenagers these days go through that we just don't understand. And if you think that you understand, you really don't. And no matter how much you try to understand, you're just not. So God's timing, right, it's a real thing. Because as teenagers, as adults, as parents, as grandparents, as kids, whatever you are in this room, we think we know best. And it's so hard to get to the place in our relationship with Jesus to where we really believe that He knows best. Now we can say that, right? And it's really easy, especially in church. It's like, yeah, yay God, you know best. Praise you. And then as we live life, we live life completely different by the decisions that we make. We say, well, hey, well, maybe God really doesn't know best because I really think this needs to happen. I think it needs to happen this way. This is the way, yeah, all this is good. And then God's over here like, man, just wait. Can you just wait? Because I'm trying to do something in the waiting. Will you, will you just let me do something in the waiting? And we're like, nah, man, we don't do that. If you don't work like Amazon, you're not good enough for us. It's just not how we operate. And God's like, hey, just wait. I know that it hurts. I know that you're struggling. I know that you have other plans. I know that you have other ideas. But here's the truth. I'm all-knowing. I'm all-powerful. I want to provide for you. I want to bless you. I, I love you. And I know what's best for you. Will you trust me in that? Or will you continue to just try to make these decisions and do this life and not allow the waiting to be personal and allow me to shape you the way that I want to shape you? So how can we wait well? Second Peter 
chapter 3 says this, but do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day it is a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. So this is both beautiful and non-beautiful at the same time. Because what this, what this does is it tells us that God is, He transcends time. But what it also tells us is that God transcends time. And in one sense, it's beautiful and it's amazing and it's wonderful. But in another sense, it's, well, man, my time doesn't work like that. So that's uncomfortable to me. So how can we wait? Well, number one is this, and it's really simple. We just trust in God's timing. Because a day to us is a thousand years to God, and a thousand years to God is a day to us. And this is what I know to be true. Is that we, we struggle with trusting in God. Now here's the, here's the thing. You would say, and I would probably say, that if I just had the timeline it would be a lot easier to trust in His timing. Just, just show me the timeline. Give me the board with the magnet so I can count down. Like, I want to wait for the finish line. I want to live for the end. Just give me the timeline. It's, just a, it's a lot easier to trust when we know when it's going to happen. And I would, I would challenge you with this is that we don't really have to know the timeline because we know the one who holds the time. So this gets to the, to the heart of following Jesus. Do we really trust in who He is? Or do we not? And you're like, well, that's pretty, it's pretty simple. And you guys know me, I'm a really simple guy. I don't try to make anything complicated because it's hard for me to understand complicated stuff. But this is simple and it's truth. That man, we don't have to know the plan. We don't have to know the timeline. We don't have to know any of that because we know the one who holds the plan. We know the one who holds the time. And if we trust in Him, then we can, we can trust that all of that other stuff is going to work out. The problem is we say we trust and oftentimes we're not living that trust out in a practical way in our life. Because often we get ahead of God and we try to, we really, and I don't, I don't want to hurt your feelings if I do, I don't really care because this is the truth, that we become, we become God in our own lives. Because we want to take His place as the keeper of time. We want to take His place as all-knowing. We want to take His place as all-powerful because we think that we know best and when we think we know more than He knows, we become an idol unto ourselves. Man, we do it so often. Every day of our lives, there's moments where we put ourselves above Him. And when we're going through this season of waiting and we're thinking about the wonder of God's time, why is it wonderful? Like, it doesn't seem wonderful all the time. 
But it's wonderful when we really believe that He is who He says He is. When we really believe that He's a good Father who loves His kids. When we really believe that He's a good Father who sent Jesus on a rescue mission for all of humanity. When we really believe that He does know all, that He is above all, and that everything is held together by Him. If we believe that and we truly believe it, then waiting becomes a little more simple. Now, I don't want to say that it's easy, because it's never easy to wait. But it comes a, a little more bearable because we understand that He holds it all together and we trust that He is who He says He is. If you jump down to verse 11 in 2 Peter chapter 3, it says, Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of the Lord? So, when Peter was writing this, he was talking about the second coming of Jesus. And we don't talk about the second coming of Jesus much here at Impact. Probably should talk about that more. But this is what Peter was referring to. And they were wondering, like, where's God? Why isn't He here? When's He coming back? Like, when's Jesus coming back? And Peter says, hey, so God's timing's a little different than our timing. And then he says, but while you're waiting, this is what you should do. You should live lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of the Lord. So number two is this, how can we wait? Well, we trust in God's timing, but also this, we are patient and persistent. Patient and persistent. You say, well, that doesn't make sense to me. How can I be patient and persistent? This is how we can be patient and persistent. We're patient and the fact that we know that God is way above us. That He's working things that we can't see. And we're persistently pursuing holiness and godliness until He comes back. And here's the reason, man. This is the reason. Because once Jesus changes us from the inside out, once we begin to follow Jesus, then we make decisions in life differently than we used to. Like our life is just different. Our decisions are different. We, we don't do that to earn salvation. And that's what Paul was saying to the Galatians. And he wrote this letter to them. And they were a church a lot like us. And I want to close with this. They were a church a lot like us. A new church. People from different backgrounds. Different cultures. Different beliefs. They had Gentiles. And they had Jews. And the Jews understood the gospel in Galatia. They understood that they were sinners and they needed a Savior. They understood that Jesus came on a rescue mission to save them. They understood that He, he was buried and three days later God raised Him from the dead and He defeated sin and He defeated death. They understood that. But what the problem was, and I think this is still the problem even at Impact Church, is that they were like, hey, Paul, so I understand the gospel, but it's got to be Jesus and doing this good stuff, right? And Paul's like, no, nah, man, that's not what I'm saying. It's just Jesus. It's not Jesus and the good stuff. It's just Jesus. And they're like, okay, cool. So I get it. So it's Jesus and it's giving a lot. And Paul's like, no, nah, man, it's just Jesus. Like the gospel is just Jesus. 
There's, there's nothing else. And like, okay, cool. So I get it. So it's Jesus and the Old Testament. There's some of that we need to do, right? And Paul's like, no, bro. It's just Jesus. Like, there's nothing else. You don't have to add anything else. Now, we do this stuff because of Jesus. Because Jesus changes our life. We do give. Because He's given generously to us. Because Jesus is good to us, then we do good things to other people. But the gospel is, is Jesus alone, not this other stuff. And it's in that context that Paul is writing this letter to this church. And I think it's important for us to remember, man, it's, it's, not, it's not our outreach that we do, right? The Harlem, it's not Jesus plus the Harlem Hoppening. It's just Jesus. It's not Jesus plus the community Thanksgiving dinner. It's just Jesus. It's not Jesus plus anything else that we do. We do that stuff because Jesus has transformed us. And if you're sitting here this morning and you're waiting on God, I, I want to share this personal story with you. This happened, man, not even two months ago. I was at home with my youngest. He's three. Um, and he's my only boy. So there's just a, and I love my girls. It's, being a girl dad is probably the coolest and most terrifying thing that I've ever experienced in my life. Because it's, it, and I want you to know, for every, for every female sitting in this room, and I got, to, I got to share this with the students Wednesday night, but I want you to know that, man, you are valuable. And I don't think that our females hear that enough in this world. That you're not a commodity. That you're valuable to the kingdom of God. That you're created in His image. And you need to know how valuable and worthy you are. So as a, as a girl dad, man, I get, to, I get to pour that into my girls. But there's a different type of relationship with a boy. It's just different. For one, he's crazy to the whatever degree, nth degree, whatever. He's just wild. But man, it was just us at home. He was watching some games. I think he had my phone and he was watching something, playing a game. And I needed to take a shower, so I took a shower. He was in his bedroom. And I get out of the shower and he's screaming. And I never heard him scream like that. Like it was a legit, like terrified, something's wrong scream and this like he's pretty tough he doesn't scream like that and it's coming from a different part of the house and man I don't know how long I was in the shower but at this point I feel like it was two hours because he's just screaming and he's just screaming dad daddy and he's just screaming and I'm trying to find him and I can't find him and he stops Screaming stops. Like, well, dude, if you don't scream, I can't find you. I need you to scream some more, right? And I'm I'm screaming back at him. Like, where are you? Tell me where you are. And he finally screams one more time. And he's okay, like he's here. Um, but he locked himself in a closet. 
that's just a, it's a tiny closet. It's like a, I don't even, I'm not even gonna try to think of what it's called, right? I'm a dude, I don't know the names of closets. It's a closet where you put sheets, okay? So it's a little tiny closet. He gets in there and he can't get out. Like, because of the shelf, he can't reach the, the door. There's not even a lock on this door. He just can't reach the doorknob. I don't even know how he shut the door. But every time he tries to get up, he hits his head on that shelf and he can't, he can't figure it out. And he's terrified. And he's screaming. And there's some of you, you're in this room and you're waiting on God to do something. And you've been screaming. You've been yelling out to God to do something in your life and you're waiting, waiting. And maybe for some of you, you stopped screaming. And that was the most terrifying part to me. The screaming, yeah, it was scary, but then when he stopped, it made me feel like he thought I wasn't coming. Maybe some of you, you feel like God's not coming. I want to encourage you to keep screaming. Keep calling out to your Father, knowing that He loves you. He knows exactly where you are. And there's a process in the way. He wants to transform you. He wants to mold you. He wants to shape you in the waiting. He wants you to get more of Him in the waiting. Trust in Him. Trust in His goodness. And be patient and persistent in your holiness and your godliness chasing after Jesus. Let's stand together this morning as we respond. Thank you for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast. For this and other messages, visit us online at impactharlem.org. In the meantime, you can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it on iTunes, and share it with your friends on social media. Once again, thanks for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast.